Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game-changing strategies which took them from struggle to success. On today's podcast, we talk to Paul McGillivray, director and owner of Remote, a company who build custom software for purpose-driven businesses. Learn how Paul overcame serious illness three years ago, how he needed to rebuild his life and how he decided that he was doing it with greater meaning and greater purpose. Paul shares his struggles, how he overcame them and how his life experiences, values and passions now align perfectly in his company. He's gone on to build an unstoppable business and team that make a real difference in the world. And he shares with us how you can too. Hi, Paul. Yeah. Welcome to the Love Mondays podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Sonia. Really happy to be doing this with you. Um, yeah. Feeling good. Really excited. Thank you for coming on. Um, the reason why I wanted you to come on is because I just absolutely love your holistic approach to business. And I think it's a really inspiring story what you've been through. So can you just tell us a little bit more about what you do? Okay, so alongside my wife, Jeannie, who I will be coming up, I guess, in the next episode of the podcast, um, for another perspective on this conversation. Part um, two. Part two. <laughs> so alongside my wife, Jeannie, we started our business in 1999 and we build software for purpose-driven companies. So what I mean by that is we do a lot of stuff on the web. We facilitate all sorts of business process workflows and we also build things like apps to increase engagement, increase reach, to swap data around from one place to another. So we, we build apps for good and online applications for all sorts of efficiency to help teams that are doing great stuff in the world do it more effectively and, and more efficiently. And have you got some examples of some of the stuff you've been working on recently? Yeah, so we're really excited that we just um, two or three weeks ago launched an app called Stroke Active, which basically helps stroke patients with their recovery. So it helps their carers and their physicians and other other people involved in stroke patients recovery so you have tasks you have videos of workout sessions that they do um all the physicians and um therapists can talk to each other via the app and all the the, the carers the members of the family can talk to therapists with the app as well so it really joins up a lot of dots that aren't connected as as far as stroke recovery goes at the moment we're really excited about it because we yeah, launched it. Really incredible. Yeah. It is really good. We we launched it for Stroke Active a few weeks ago, and we've had an amazing response already. And and it's already been trialled in UCL. Um, the NHS are really interested in in working with it. So, really exciting. You know, proper app for good. Yeah. <laughs> and this has all come from somewhere because what kind of made you get into this kind of uh, purpose driven business market? Jeannie and I, we've always had a kind of core of wanting to make a difference, I guess. But to be honest, it's only been in the last year that we've actually felt, hey, this is actually possible. 
you and I met Sonia through the KPI program with Dent Global. Yeah. And the first day that we were together on that table, they asked us why we do what we do. And that was a massive thing for us because it was like, whoa, why do we do what we do? <laughs> uh, and it really made Jeannie and I rewind, properly rewind. So what, what do we care about? And what do, what do we actually want to be doing? And the thing that they've really drummed home to us a lot these last, what was it, eight, nine months, is we actually can make a difference. And we decided, hey, you know what? We always, we work for these companies that work for any company. Okay, and then we realized if we actually said we work for companies that want to make a difference, then all of our energies will be focused on amplifying that difference. And when we realized that we could do that, it was no question we had to do that. And so we're still in a transition mode, but the companies that we take on now are purpose driven companies. They're companies that have a bigger view of their business other than just making profit. It's the triple bottom line purpose people profit in that order and that really excites us and it's that's the kind of company that we've become too it's amazing and what where do you think you got this from what kind of drove because I mean you could have gone down the typical developer path but it seems like you've really stepped out of that so can you just tell us a little bit about your life story and where you've got these kind of values from might end up being a three-hour podcast yeah (laughs) take all the time you need (laughs) ask me my life story (laughs) yeah this is the life story (laughs) so <laughs> get the kettle on <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll give you a bridge first so so Jeannie and I actually we met in art college in Farnham uh 24 25 years ago and the thing that really sparked that connection was a real meeting of values in a way that I don't think either of us had ever met in another before and by values I'm I'm really talking about the fact that we we both I guess have spiritual we see things in a spiritual way in the same way so by that I mean we recognize that everything is connected and everything everything's happening as part of a a bigger picture Um, from the way that we interact with people through the way that the planet kind of is constantly balancing itself and aligning itself and, and evolving to to create balance to you know everything that connection and so there'd always been this kind of undercurrent to to everything we did. So from the very start, yes, we were building websites. Actually, we started as a record label. Um, but we realized that <laughs> as a record label, this internet thing in 1999 looked like it might be something useful for the music. You might need to get into, yeah. <laughs> you might need to get into it. So yeah, I bought a copy of .NET magazine as we were about to get on the train on the ride home read about this internet thing and it had a copy of Dreamweaver 1 on the front cover. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn HTML and build a band website and a record label website. So I did. And we were organizing a big tour of our bands to launch the record label. And a journalist from Hip Hop Connection magazine came to interview us about this tour. And just as we finished the interview, he said, by the way, who did your website? Because I really need a website for a DJ event I'm organizing. I said, oh, I'll build your website. And so it began. And my dad wanted one for his shop. Then a friend wanted one for his pottery. And before we knew it, we didn't launch the record label. And we were building websites all over the place. About a year and a half, two years in, we were given a big opportunity to build a massive app that in retrospect was way beyond our abilities at the time. But, you know, when you start a business, you're hungry, you're broke. We needed that project. And so we just went for it. And 
I learned, I think, four programming languages in a couple of months. I just worked out what languages I needed to learn to get the project done. And we built the first ever repertory for homeopathic practitioners, which is basically 300 textbooks that we converted into a database format so they could be cross-referenceable for homeopathic practitioners and students. So um, what year was that? I mean, that's yeah. going back to when homeopathic, you were doing homeopathic so stuff. That was, I think that was around 2000, 2001. Yeah, so this really does stretch back through the whole of the business, doesn't it? You just weren't Absolutely. actually that aware of it. And it's yes. only been in the last year where you've gone, actually, I can build a business on this stuff that we've been doing already. And it's just actually refining that into more of a marketing message and more of a, a alignment of your values. Exactly. Spot on. We, we actually called it spiritual money laundering. we would work for the big companies the big corporates and they would pay properly for the work because they recognized the value that we were giving them and then the money that we made from those companies we would then put to projects that align much more with our core values and so yeah spiritual money laundering i love that it doesn't sound like it should be right but (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> so you've grown it yeah yeah you've grown it from there and you've got eight stuff now have you that's right yes and we're just uh, about to recruit for our ninth yes which is a whole new project which is just great um really but hard. i mean the last few years haven't been without their struggles have they do you want to tell us a little bit about what you kind of had to absolutely so yeah so um from the from the homeopathic site we were building apps we we're building bigger more impressive systems still websites but there were websites that did cool stuff there were powerful heavy lifting websites and so with that over the over the years we grew to a team of five so i'm taking you fast forward to about about four years ago now actually a bit longer than that i suppose it started it was full on it's it's difficult running a business okay we we see all these facebook feeds and videos of these multi-company owning multi-million pound turnovering entrepreneurs that are driving around in their teslas and you know loving life spending their days on the beach it's just it's just nonsense it's not that easy it's really cool <laughs> and anyone that runs a business i'm sure will knows that isn't the truth <laughs> and so it got stressful it got difficult and the business that we started was pretty much our first job for me and Jeannie, you know apart from the kind of jobs you got at college and that kind of thing and so we'd never worked in a software company we didn't know how you do it so we just operated by gut. Mm. And I think we, we worked out a lot of stuff. But I found certain aspects really difficult and stressful. And um, in Ayurveda, um, they say that I'm high pitter. So you're, you're a pitter person as well. I, I think many of us are that are running companies, uh, driven, visionary, always pushing. But when pitter gets out of balance then you get irritable, you get frustrated, you get stressed, you get angry. And I was all of those things. Mm. At the same time, I was followed, and we always have done, I was following the idea, I think it was Bill Gates who said, always employ people that are smarter than you. So we'd done that. So the people that are working for me were and are better than me at all of this stuff. Okay. Not necessarily actually running the business, but all the delivery stuff, you know, all the programming. So what I found was the day-to-day work on the business, I was delegating all the cool stuff to all the cool people that work for us okay and i was ending up basically doing the doing whatever was left i was i was the intern for the business you know mm-hmm. um, and it was completely self-induced that <laughs> and i found myself just 
it didn't have any meaning anymore. It didn't, there, there wasn't really a reason to be doing it, um, which is crazy because it was feeding and raising my family. Yeah. I lost touch of that. I was like, oh, Jesus, it's just every day, project after project after project, and we were turning around good work, and it was good stuff, but I lost touch. Mm. with the real why yeah what you were doing it for yeah and that combined with the stress you know when you when you lost touch of why you're doing something and you're putting in hours and you're you know it's it's emotionally touching you then it can be a real imbalance and that's definitely what happened to me I always say it's the it's the balance between being stressed and being blessed like when you are completely aligned to why you're doing something or you're kind of working towards that bigger picture and making a difference you're definitely definitely living your days as though you're truly blessed but actually when you lose touch of that and you've just got a job and you're having to drag yourself out of bed every day that's when blessed turns into stressed and it's a real fine balance I think isn't it and yeah, something that I'm really passionate about is helping my clients realign to why they do what they do for the same reasons that you say. And because I just know for myself that actually it just empowers you again to get back onto that kind of, yes, this is why I'm doing it. There's a bigger cause for us to work to. There's a bigger reason to do this. Mm. And I think that just gives you that little bit of kind of power through. It doesn't make things as, as difficult. Definitely, I agree. And I, I see that coming, you know, that shines from you. Um, you're so <laughs> driven and you're so passionate. It's awesome, you know, because you care about your clients and you really, you want to nail every project for them because this is your thing. This is what you do. And you're, you know, you're, you're a warrior at it. It's awesome. And that's, you know, that's, that's what, what shines from you. And so, yes, I, I can see in you, you're, you're deeply connected with your why and your, your purpose and your mission. And, you know, like any soldier on a mission, you're... you're <laughs> Mine's definitely um, come from the same thing that you were saying. So when we sat down and did that value thing, we had to really think about my, our why. I actually posted my... I found my scribbled notes today about why my what my why was when we scribbled it down that day. And obviously coming from leaving home at 16 and pregnant and homeless at 17 for a good, I was homeless for a good couple of years actually what I've realized is now that through business we can change a lot of that we can actually make people's lives a lot easier through purpose-driven sustainable profitable business so actually when I touched on that and I was like oh my god this is what gets me out of bed every day like this is what drives me this is the bigger picture this is why I do what I do because actually I don't want anyone to struggle like I've struggled I don't want people in low pay low paid jobs to not be able to feed their children which is a reality of the country that we're in so actually when you can align something like that to your previous past experiences it just helps you have that kind of bigger picture stuff you know that bigger picture thing yeah absolutely I, I totally agree and at this point in the story, I had lost that. So basically, I was kind of burning myself out emotionally. And I was keeping going. Yeah, so physically burning yourself out as well. Absolutely, yeah. And there was actually, I think, I think when I spoke with the, the, the other, my colleagues in the office after this all happened, they said that there was one point that kind of tipped me over the edge. And so, you know, we're a few years on now from when we started. And it was, it was just, you know, me and Jeannie, and there was five of us in the office and we had maybe 200 clients and we were running, we are still are running an entire server network in a data center for those clients. So there's a lot of, a lot of um, pressure to keep that, you know, performance going. 24 yeah. hours, right? And so we had a disaster happen in the data center, um, which basically meant that 
one of our larger clients who had a massive amount of data, all of a sudden their data wasn't accessible. And this happened at about 11 p.m. And so Jeannie and I were working in the office all night trying to get that data back. And we knew we had until about 6 a.m. to recover that data. And we're talking about that data was basically the entire day's work for over a thousand people. Wow. So, so you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> if you care even slightly about your job. <laughs> you can if imagine. We didn't, if yeah. we didn't get that data back up and running by 6 a.m., then yeah, well over a thousand people would have lost their entire previous day's work. And, you know, a small thing, we would have lost the client for sure. But really, all we cared about was getting that data back for the clients, because it would have been awful for them, considering, you know, what their what their work was as well. So it was a stressful time. Um, The data center we were with at the time, they washed their hands of us by about midnight saying it's nothing to do with us, it's your issue. Um, turned out actually was their issue but <laughs> <laughs> so you're left on your own brilliant yeah yeah and at around 5 a.m I finally got through to a incredible Microsoft engineer who remoted into our servers and had everything back up within 15-20 minutes oh my god um but the stress of that tipped me over the edge so when I say tipped me over the edge I think it it triggered a whole load of things that have been going on internally that have been gradually building up I'd already been experiencing fatigue and that was moving into extreme fatigue. I was kind of, my face was red with inflammation and I was in a lot of pain and I'd been taking painkillers every morning to get rid of the pain to get me through the day. And I'd been doing that for months and not even thinking about, hang on a minute. Something's wrong here. I need, I need to take a look at this. And that's, that just really shows how I got this perspective wrong. I I just completely wasn't seeing the big picture. I wasn't in touch with myself at all. I was just driving through, just trying, just trying to get through the days. Um, And then we all know if you're not listening, the universe comes along and goes, whack, get down, (laughs) make a change. If you don't listen, it starts shouting. Yeah. And so three and a half years ago, Around December time, so a couple of months before my 42nd birthday, I started to get very ill. All of a sudden, I was losing weight. All of a sudden, I was bleeding. Um, I had constant um, diarrhea. I wasn't able to take on any nutrition. I went anemic. And I couldn't tell what was going on. Made an appointment with the doctor, which was in three months' time. Um, wow. Yeah. And I finally, I was, I was in so much agony, so dangerously so dangerously thin that I just went to my GP and just said, what the hell's going on? And he took one look at me and said, this is serious. You need to pay to go private to skip the line and see a consultant tomorrow. And so I went and saw the consultant the next day and he sent me straight to hospital. And so um, I was wheeled into an operating theatre on my birthday oh. and um, I was diagnosed with a aggressive form of Crohn's disease, uh, fistulating Crohn's disease, which meant my my body was so infected inside that it was actually tunnelling outwards oh from the gosh. inside of me. And that was the pain. I was just in absolute agony because my body was creating tunnels inside of itself, which is insane. And it was fighting itself. It was, it was yeah. uh, autoimmune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was the point. That was, that was the point that my life dramatically changed mm. um, because I was – I was serious. I was in. I was in surgery for three hours, um, and in hospital for two weeks. And I was told that 
So I was told that I needed to take a cocktail of immune suppressants, um, two particularly strong immune suppressants that would stop my body from fighting itself. Um, they said if I didn't do that, then I would get more ill. And if I got any more ill, I wouldn't survive the surgery that I would need. And so it was a very difficult time. To give you, just to give you a, a scale, they, I can't actually remember the acronym they use. It's MR, MRI or MRS or something. There's, there's something in your blood count that measures inflammation. And when you're in a normal state, that count, the healthy range is about one to eight. So normal people don't have any inflammation. They're somewhere between one to five, six, seven kind of thing. When it gets to eight or nine, then there's something, there's something wrong. And when I was in hospital, there was a guy in hospital in the bed opposite me. And I heard the nurses go to him and say, we've just checked your, your bloods and your level's sort of eight or nine. So we're a bit concerned about you. Um, we're going to have to keep an eye on you there because you know, that's, a, that's a, a worrying level of inflammation. I got mine back and it was over 300. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Is that even possible? Well, I was expecting like 15 or 20 or something. Well, the first time I was in hospital, they let me out when it went under, I think it was 120 and I'd been up oh. to 250. But yeah, so just to give you a scale, it, 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 I was seriously ill. Mm. My body was screaming and shouting at me to change something. Yeah. And I'd been ignoring it so hard for several yeah. years. Yeah, keeping going, keeping going, and then just can't keep going any longer. So after, so just back to the first time I was in hospital, they yeah. sent they sent. Can I just cut off your, You were what forty two at this point. Yeah, yeah. No age at all, really, is it? It's definitely longer than you, younger yeah. than you expect to be facing this kind of. You don't want to be that ill, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a shock to me. Mm. I was I've, I'd always it's ridiculous now thinking about it, but I'd always considered myself to be a really healthy person. Yeah, always. I yeah. went to a GP when I was younger, and I didn't know my GP until I started getting this, you know, this illness. So yeah, it was a shock. And yes, there's a genetic element to it. You know, my brother and my sister both have ulcerative colitis. My dad has something similar. So it's a genetic thing, but it takes a certain level of trauma to trigger it. And I had triggered it. Yeah. So yes, just so that stress it. response and oh. Yeah, and it was trauma. I, you know, I'd lost my way. I, you know, I just, yeah, I'd literally lost my way. I, I went off the rails. I, I was behaving awfully badly. I was, you know, not a good person. It was yeah. just, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to look part, look back on that part of my life now. Um, and it's what happens when you lose touch of your values and you lose touch of why you're doing this stuff. And that's why I'm so passionate now about getting in touch because every time, that's probably an exaggeration, but it seems to me certainly that every time you speak to someone that's lost their way, it's, it's just that they've forgotten why they do stuff. They've forgotten, as you said, they've forgotten what gets them up in the morning. Yeah. They've lost touch with their meaning and their purpose and yeah. that bigger picture. And it's also about, I think people get, and you touched on it before, when you're so driven and you're so enthusiastic to do things and, and live this life as fully as possible, you just go, go, go all the time. And I think it's quite easy for you to lose your way when you're on that path because you almost don't give yourself time and maybe you feel guilty for not working hard enough or feel you need to look after your family. You've got children to pay for. There's just so many pressures in society for you to just go, 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 go. And when you're that personality anyway, you can see why it's so easy for people to just carry on going down this path because it's almost just like a bit of a rat race, you know, just get up in the morning, go to work, 
come home, drink a glass of wine, go to bed. <laughs> and you just carry on and carry on. You do. And also there's, there's the extra issue of when you are running a business and it's your own business, you don't have that security of, I know I've got my pay packet coming at the end of the month. No, you have to. It's a lot of pressure. If you don't earn that money, you're not getting paid at the end no, of the month. No, no. And you've, you've got mortgages, you've got staff to pay, you've got clients to service. You know, it's not just looking after after your family and your own your own kind of nearest and dearest. You, you've got no, totally. clients as well. You've got um, clients clients to make sure that their businesses run right. And you've also got your staff who staff, all have yeah. families. Mm. Right? So, yeah, so, there, so there's that. So, yeah, it all came tumbling down, right? So this is February 2015. And after two weeks, they sent me home with a whole bag of sugary drinks that they give to pensioners when they're, they're malnourished and we throw it through those. <laughs> yeah. Pensioner Paul on his uh, sugary drinks to get better from. Well, sugar um, causes inflammation. Yeah, it's like, of course it well. is. Yeah. I bet it, it was carbohydrate, gluten, everything that you really shouldn't be having. Everything. Um, and maybe that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we basically saw, though, that lead, leads on to it. Obviously, I needed to change everything. But most importantly and most immediately was a very clear choice. The NHS had saved my life, literally saved my life. But what, what they were proposing I did next was quite scary. So we've said a couple of times, and it's a really important point, that if you listen to your body, it doesn't have to shout. And so I truly believe that the symptoms, any symptoms from any illness, are the equivalent of the lights on a dashboard in a car. If that oil light is flashing, you don't get a piece of black insulation tape and cover it up. No, you don't. (laughs) You go and put oil in the car. You go and put oil in the car, or at least you you look to see why the hell it's flashing, right? If it's that weird orange one that looks like a tap and no one knows what it means. You go, okay, you what is that? you on it, wouldn't you, and have a little look. Totally. Or you go and speak to a mechanic and say, can you just see why that's happening? I'm not that bothered about the fact that the light's flashing. It's more that it's indicating something else, right? Yeah, something's wrong. But the, way, the way that we saw that, that, that we saw the proposal of, you know, the autoimmune... The immune suppressants work for a lot of people. Okay, I'm not going to take that away. They've saved lives. I've got friends that are are taking them and they work for some people, but not all people. And a lot of the time, particularly with Crohn's, less with colitis as far as I understand it, but with Crohn's particularly, the pattern I've seen is that you take the immune suppressants for a certain amount of time. The symptoms appear to go away, but now you've got no dashboard in your car. To tell you so what's you, wrong. you continue living the life you were living before. You continue to eat the wrong things. You continue to live a stressful life, and and there's no, nothing blinking to say something's going on. No, it's because so you've got the tape lot, over the light. You've got the tape over the light, and so you end up. Uh, oh, I was going to say every case I've seen of Crohn's certainly, um, quite possibly for other other illnesses too you end up back in hospital and you yeah. have to have parts of your bowel removed if not all your bag bowel removed and then you have to have, to have a bag um because your body's carrying on being just as ill as it was yeah, it's yeah. Just that you're not you just haven't got the symptoms anymore and so you know this was scary the the advice that we were receiving from the consultants was almost aggressive they called us mavericks when we said that we wanted to look at this holistically and find wow. a way of dealing with this they were they were angry and mm. 
just to add into the my son obviously had a quite a serious autoimmune response from some contaminated chicken he ended up blind and paralyzed through his immune system attacking his nervous system when he was 12 after five days of intravenous steroids that he was given by the NHS I just said the same as you I can't do this anymore I can't I can't put my my 12 year old son 11 year old son through a life of of medication I'm, I'm going to do the same so uh, I took him out from the consultants and said we're not coming back anymore I mean obviously he'd had endoscopies and brain scans and all of the other stuff to check there was no I was going to say the word serious, but there was no obvious, you know, tumor on the brain or anything like that to make him blind. But once I got the all clear for that, I was like, no, the rest of it we're doing ourselves. And actually I did the same. So it was all taking out foods out of his diet that would cause any type of inflammation, any type of immune response, autoimmune response. So he was gluten and dairy free no nuts. I was making him drink bicarbonate soda, which he hated and told me that it made him worse. But I was like, tough, um, probiotics, you name it, rehabilitation for two years through physio. And I mean, now he's, he's had two professional fights in kickboxing. And you do just look back and think, do you know what, if I had of, and I'm obviously not advocating that everybody goes down this road, obviously they have to make the choice themselves. Um, but I think there's a lot more things that you need to research out there. And I think you're absolutely right. Your body is telling you something. It is not telling you to take tablets for the rest of your life. Your immune system is telling you it's allergic to something. You just need to find what that allergy is and it'll, cal- it'll calm itself down. There's no point carry on with whatever it is that's causing the reaction and just masking it with tablets. So I absolutely commend you for, because it's, it's a scary time. I mean, I went through it with my yes. son and you've obviously been through it yourself. And it's a scary time. It's a huge decision, but actually it, it is the best one I've ever made. I truly don't believe my son who's 17 now on no medication whatsoever. He doesn't get any kind of problems. You know, he's, he's fully functioning occasionally moody um, yeah. actually it was it is a big decision isn't it to be able to say actually you know I'm, I'm going to do my own research on this and I am going to be that maverick and not go down the road that you're telling me to go down which is through medication and everything else so it's just fab that you've done that and you've on top of running a business as well because I'm assuming while all this was happening you've still got staff you know you've still got a wife you still had your daughter exactly um, they were incredible I yeah. mean I was, I was out of action away. I was out of action for nine months. I wasn't able to work for nine months. I was virtually bed bound. Um, Jeannie just held everything going. The the team that were working for us at the time just were just soldiers. They were amazing. So yeah, things would have been very different if it wasn't for Jeannie's strength uh, mm. throughout. Incredible. And so yes, we were, we we made that very scary choice. We were going to work it work this out on our own. So we started. A massive Google search. Yeah, same. It's the entrepreneur in us, I think, Paul. I think we go, do you know what? We're not going to do it your way. I think we're going to find our own way. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, diagnosing your own illness on Google is a, you know. Dr. Not, Google's not, brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, I've got everything there is. <laughs> yeah. I've got a day to live. <laughs> but what, what, it does, what it does give us is many, many other people's stories. And... I found very quickly loads of people that were in full remission from Crohn's disease. Um, many people that had had similar, you know, stress running their own business that were, had fought back. And so the trouble is that I think the reason traditional Western medicine says that Crohn's is incurable and that there isn't a treatment for it 
is because I believe from just from what I've observed and learned and experienced is that Crohn's is a collection of symptoms, but the cause of those symptoms is different for everyone. Mm. And so there isn't a one size. Yeah, I can tell you how I fixed I fixed me, but it might not necessarily work for the next person. Everyone yeah. has to find their own thing. So yeah. it's a long it's a long thing. Um, and I don't think I don't think there's one thing. I mean, I, if somebody said to me, "How did you get your son back from being blind and paralysed?" I'd be like, "Well, I don't know." But it's diet, it's stress response, it's monitoring what's going into your body. It, it's so many small things that, like you say, all link up together. And I suppose actually we can relate this back to your holistic view of, you know, that you were talking about earlier. You have this holistic view of the world, the holistic view of, of everything linking together. I don't think there is one thing at all. But what it does teach us is actually it is all linked together and actually just removing the stress or just removing the foods that, you know, you, you can't eat, that probably wouldn't have been enough. Actually, you need to kind of look at everything holistically and say, hang on, how am I going to change my lifestyle here? How can I restructure my business to be able to give myself a bit of time to be able to eat properly or walk around the block at lunchtime and just get a bit of sun or whatever it is? I think spot, it, Absolutely spot on, yes. Um, I was very lucky that while I was still in hospital, my friend Cavi sent me a book called Listen to Your Gut by Ginny Patel. Yeah. And she outlined exactly that and it totally hit home and totally resonated for just the reasons you've just said. She basically said that there are various pillars. There's there's physical, psychological, emotional and spiritual pillars. Yeah, and absolutely. you can't just treat one of them, you have to treat all of them. And that was our starting point. Yeah, body, mind and soul. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, we weren't right straight away, which is why three months later I was back in hospital. We didn't, we didn't give up because we knew, okay, I found another thing that didn't work. I need to change something, right? Sometimes it does feel like two steps forward, one step back, but I think you always know in your gut, you're still, you're still going to find it. I truly, truly believe that if nature brings a problem, nature brings the answer. We're, we've been here millions of years. I mean, the NHS and drugs companies have been around for an absolute tiny amount of the time that we've been on the planet so I do truly believe that it is an approach but actually there are so many other models out there and it is a bit of trial and error nobody kind of says here you go here's the answer and you know if you do this for three months you're fixed you have to kind of learn it as you're going along you have to research you have to try it but it's it's all part of the journey and as long as you can feel yourself and see yourself getting better I think you always know you're on the right path absolutely so EFT amazing yeah done that sorted out yeah sorted out uh lots of internal stuff stuff that i'd I'd held physically trauma that i'd held stress that i'd held belief patterns that i'd held uh, incredible craniosacral therapy and they've done that too yeah i'm currently doing that now which is um i'm three months free of migraines which is just out of this world just amazing it it calmed my body down told it actually everything's okay we're gonna get through this amazing ayurveda to get me back into balance um, i went to see a doctor a week within a week of leaving hospital i could barely even get out of the car but we knew it was important to go and see dr ft he was sat with his wife who is in remission from ulcerative colitis thanks to ayurveda so that was really encouraging he was amazing and very importantly um herbal medicine um i went to see a lady called fiona shakila burns down in Bristol, who is amazing. She's cured herself of cancer twice without the use of chemicals. That's uh, amazing. Incredible. So she she basically set me up with a whole range of 
supplements um, and herbs to help digestion, help heal. Um, she also did craniosacral therapy, kinesiology, uh, matrix re-imprinting. Yeah, um, yeah. Stuff sounds like crazy far out hippie. I've California. done them all. <laughs> I've done the, everything. The thing is, <laughs> thing is, the mind and the gut are so deeply connected. You know, well, There's they call the gut the second. The, it's like your second brain. Right, absolutely. And so, of course, I was stressed and irritable and angry because my, my gut biome was completely out of balance. I had all yeah. bad bacteria in there. It was, it was running riot. It was actually affecting my mental state. Well, and they actually so know. Better. So when you've got stress hormones, it actually diverts the blood away from your digestive system because you're in fight or flight mode. So effectively, your body's going run, 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 run. So all of your blood is making you on high alert. It's going to your limbs. You, your, your blood is actually physically away from your gut. So it's the you're either in fight or flight or you're in rest and digest so that just goes to show if you're always always stressed it actually has long-term damage it does long-term damage to your to your stomach so of course that's the first thing you know that stress is going to be that's going to be affected absolutely so uh those are the main things you know that was my they're all my sort of healing things that I, I, i managed and as well of course I had to get back in touch with myself and I had to get back in touch with what got me out of bed in the morning because I wasn't getting out of bed in the morning, quite literally. Yeah. Um, and I had to get back in touch with what I wanted from my life and what I could bring to this world and, you know, how my whole family ecosystem and my business ecosystem, how I fit into all that. And so I think we've described all, all the levels there that, that we touched. Um, now I'm three and a half years on. I'm I'm not in complete remission, but I'm living normal daily life. I'm just living a slightly inconvenienced life as someone who has to go to the bathroom more often than usual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is a small uh, price to pay considering where you were three years ago. Considering, you know, the extreme it's like it's like a terrible case of food poisoning for months yeah. and months and months. Yeah, which is what Ben had. And exhaustion, yeah. right. Um, that's, I probably under, under-described that. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You get the idea. And so compared to now, you know, I feel fine. You know, I feel Are you fine. on any medication, Paul? No, no, I haven't. I, haven't I, I was given steroids when I left the hospital and I gradually decreased that. So I think two and a half years ago, I stopped altogether and I haven't had any any kind of medication since. which is just testament isn't it that actually just by releasing the traumas that are attached to this by managing your stress levels by monitoring your diet making sure you get allergy testing all of that stuff to keep on top of your immune system absolutely and um genie inspired by this whole journey uh, went on to study ayurveda yeah. and um, medicinal i can never say it medicinal herbs yeah um, so she's studying to become a, a qualified practitioner in both of those things and so she now has taken over looking after you know what supplements i take what herbal remedies i take you know the, the ayurvedic approach to the food and again the herbs um from that and so that element of having genie so knowledgeable about this stuff now and right there absolutely seeing things has been just i'm sure she'll talk to you about it more but that's been incredible and so you know yeah I'm, I'm in work every day i might get tired you know a bit easier than other people at the end of the day but it, i'm still a work in progress so over the last three years you kind of well after you got back to work um so over the last two years that was really a defining moment for you to say actually not only do i need to figure out why i'm doing this actually i also need to then bring those values 
into your whole life, into your personal life and into your business life. Yeah, exactly. So, and it happened slowly and gradually until we realized that everyone needs to know where we're headed and why we're headed there and how we're going to do it. And the why needs to be bigger than a pay packet at the end of the month after a certain point. We all need to pay our bills. We all need to support our families. But when the business is working well and normally, that that happens. I'm not going to say fairly easily because it still remains, you know, still a hard thing to do. Yeah. But we meet those needs, and you know, is it Richard Branson that says, uh, "Do what you love, and the money will follow"? Well, yes, I think um, everyone has to know why they're going there, and we realised that at a certain point. That's it. Daniel Pink, Drive, his book Drive, and he's done a TED Talk on the same subject. He noticed that you don't get motivated after a certain point. Money only motivates you up to a certain point. And after that, you need autonomy, you need mastery, and you need purpose. Yeah. And that was the first little hint that we got. Um, One of our developers here mentioned it. And I was like, he had to mention it three or four times for it to really sink in. I was like, oh, oh. You've been telling me this for a while now. I think I might listen. <laughs> I get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so autonomy, they need, they need the ability to drive their own boat, right? Mastery, they need the opportunity to be able to get better at it. And purpose, they need to know why they're driving it. Hmm. And we started to actually bring that in because we realized that we didn't have a reason beyond that initial profit. So project to project, no reason. And so we started to bring that in and things started to change and things started to get more exciting and interesting and people were coming to work with more of a spring in their step. Yeah. And just like I had connected with my purpose while in my sickbed, (laughs) now we were sharing that with others. And thanks to the the coincidence of of the KPI course that we met on, um, actually really forcing us to to write this stuff down, we suddenly realised... Commit to it. Yeah, absolutely. And make it real, you know, as opposed to a slightly intangible thing. Mm. We could actually, we could actually do something. Mm. And as soon as we started to think, okay, why do we do this? We realized that the business had a why as well as the people in it. And so the business, all of a sudden it's like, well, what is the, what is the business's why? What is the business's purpose? And we realized thanks to the sharing of the um, UN sustainable development goals, we realized that we could have a why that was much bigger than to earn money and to grow steadily and yep. keep it spread. And so we aligned with uh, global goal number eight, decent jobs and economic growth. Yeah. But for me, economic growth follows decent, meaningful jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we saw. All of us kind of realised on that day that there was a real power in our truth and real power in our stories. And what I absolutely love about your business and what I try and do in my business is actually as soon as you start being honest with yourself and as soon as you start being honest with others, it just absolutely stands you apart from any competitor because actually every single company that needs any software would always pick you over a competitor because actually you truly stand in this value of we are here to make a bigger difference in the world. So automatically you just attract other businesses that have the same values as that. And it's just like an automatic kind of alignment, isn't it, really? And it just makes things streamlined so much better. Absolutely. It, ab- absolutely. And it's crazy, really, because it's something that 
when our clients previously got to know us, they saw these values anyway. Yeah, but, but it was just never the forefront that. of, yeah. It was, it, it was never, it was always in the wrong order, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, people yeah. would meet us, decide to work with us, and then go, oh, wow, we've got all this these This is values. amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's like... So, you know, it was putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, um, whereas now you've restructured your website, you've restructured your messaging, you know, it's really at the forefront of how you run your business with remote. Absolutely. So Purpose First, mm. um, which I think is going to be the name of my book. Um, ah, I love. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if Purpose Comes First, Everything else that's important follows. But when yeah. purpose is first, the things that follow are the right things and everything goes in the right direction. And it falls into place. It falls into place. And so there's a whole fractal thing going on here, if you can imagine it. Um, so it happens with the people in the business. They align with their purpose, their values. Everything works because we can't have cookie cutter people working in our businesses. No. We don't want 10 clones of the same person. No. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I want 10 people each who are amazing at particular things at particular skills and you integrate them all and bring them all together with that purpose value foundation stuff it's like it's like the avengers yeah you don't want 10 iron men yeah <laughs> you, you need a spider man you need the vision you know you need, you need lots of different people doing their particular things you need ant-man ant-man is awesome at being really tiny iron man can't do that ant-man's <laughs> awesome at being giant iron man can't do that either you know? <laughs> so it makes sense to have diversity in your team on every level of diversity different skills different points of view different ideas of culture different values the important thing is that despite that diversity your values align. Yeah. So to give you an example, when we started doing this, we started one-to-one coaching with all of our all of our colleagues at work here. And when we started digging, we started really digging and we said to one of our developers, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What are what is your core value here? What is your core purpose? And he's a family man. He totally wanted to support his family, be a role model to his kids support his wife and you know that's a beautiful honorable goal and his his unique ability is he's an awesome and very diligent developer he really wants to be a great developer and so it made total sense to align his individual talent of being a developer with his purpose for supporting his family by creating a very structured and solid career path for him with learning and milestones in his career so that he knows he's progressing yeah so then the next one we did, one of our developers, a more senior developer, more experienced, when he went really into it, he realized that what he actually loved was teaching people. And he, want, he loved teaching people because he didn't want people to suffer. He'd struggled when he was younger and he wanted to relieve the suffering. And his way of relieving suffering was to find developers that were struggling with their development and to help and them. Help them. <laughs> and so those all of a sudden those two people had purposes that aligned beautifully one wanted to learn and one wanted to teach yeah and so we put a structure in place to allow that to happen and both of them grew and both of them were in alignment completely different purposes different values but it worked for the good of themselves and, yeah, and the, the team. team yeah 
and so for the good of the company. Oh, it's such a beautiful alignment, isn't it? And the only way you can do that and something that's kind of come through the whole of this conversation is your connectivity and your communication. And actually the thing, I mean, with the stroke app that you were talking about, it was all about linking those communication between everyone. And actually, if you hadn't have gone and spoken to your staff, openly and said you know we really believe in this stuff what what do you want to achieve actually you focused on that and out of it came this really beautiful collaboration which just makes your team and whole business just so much stronger um, I mean your staff retention is brilliant isn't it you, you find it extremely easy to find people to come into the team because you have people that want to come and work with you and didn't you actually get somebody move over from Australia to come and work with you yeah Chris our designer he's awesome um, yeah. I, I was just looking at different uh, designers online, just looking for a designer. We needed someone to, to work full time. We'd always use freelancers. And I found him and I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. He's, um, he lives in Shrewsbury. That's where our offices are. I couldn't believe it because I just found his work and went, wow, where is this guy? I love it. And so I reached out to him and he said, he emailed back, I'm sorry, I've emigrated to Australia. I live in Brisbane now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Um, maybe you could freelance from the other side of the world (laughs) well well, he had a full-time job over there but a couple of weeks later I got an email back just saying can we talk because you know I I really like the vibe of what you guys are doing and we had a couple of uh, zoom calls and there was such an obvious values alignment and such an obvious sharing of, of what we wanted from life and sharing of skills that bless him, he, he moved his whole family back to England. <laughs> <laughs> his wife's probably going, for God's sake, we've got to go again. <laughs> I don't know how impressed his wife was. I'm, I'm not convinced she was immediately impressed, but he just had to do it. It was that pull. And he's, you know, he's, he, he's been a member of the family since his very first morning here. I remote. mean, honestly, this whole thing is just really kind of just grown your business in so many other ways than you would really kind of and it seems so simple but so very few people do it but actually it just really underpins and I think you said something really important just now Sonia which is connection I think connection is is the core of all of it Mm. we always say why but actually before that I was talking to Paul Dunn from B1G1 just a couple of weeks ago and he pointed this out and it was like light bulb boom he said connection is the preface to all of it when you have connection, then what follows is meaning and purpose. Yeah. So what we've got, this entire story, is m- me getting back in connection with my body, with myself, with my own needs and my own values and my own sense of purpose, which provides meaning. And then connecting with Jeannie and her sets of values and her purpose and then of the company. And then, of course, our company connecting with other businesses with similar values and aligning purposes it's beautiful and it goes on and on and on it, and yeah it's, it's almost cool. like those dots with the little webs that just kind of all go out and on and on absolutely and connection is at the core of all mm. of it when we're all connected all of a sudden it's not just me one person slightly neurotic big <laughs> trying to change the world that's a ridiculous idea right really it's a ridiculous idea but all of a sudden when it's us not me, and that us is big and aligned, just like those Avengers. They're crazy people. They all do completely different things. But when they're aligned, when they know this is our mission, this is we need to take out that dude with the Infinity Stones, then all of a sudden they're working together and all of a sudden they can change the world. Hey, they can save the galaxy. 
But on their own, Iron Man couldn't do that on his own. No. Spider-Man couldn't do that on his own. Thor, bless him, he tried, but he couldn't do it on his own. (laughs) But when there's that connection and an alignment of values and purpose, and we all use our individual talents, our unique strengths, when we use those, then all of a sudden magic can happen. Who knew in art college back in, uh, in the 90s that actually this connection and value that you and Jeannie had kind of pulled together would just go on and create this web of being able to change the world and really make some really incredible changes for people who, you know, through your stroke app and through your other work that you've been doing, it's really incredible. And nobody would have known 20, 30 years ago that this is how, how it was going to be playing out. Absolutely. I mean, I, I get goosebumps just hearing you say that because just remembering you know this kind of stoner hippie with dreadlocks back at art (laughs) (laughs) we've all been there i didn't have any dreadlocks (laughs) (laughs) it's it's customary for art college but no there was no there was no way that guy back then was going to change anything you know he wasn't going to change his bed clothes let alone (laughs) the world But, but we grow and we learn and the most painful and most difficult experiences are the ones that we learn the most from and grow the most from if we take that opportunity when it's presented with us. Yeah. And if we don't, then the universe shouts louder. Yeah, until you do listen, until you have to listen. Until we do. And as, as Fiona Burns said to me, and I, I think I might have said it already, but it's worth, it's worth repeating. I remember just as I started to, to, to say to her, you know what, I'm, free, I'm feeling you know, so much better. I'm doing normal stuff again. The brain fog has gone. The overwhelm has gone. I can actually, I can actually do stuff. I can't believe it. And she just said, you're listening to your body. It doesn't need to shout anymore. And that expands right out. That expands right out. I'm listening to my business. It doesn't need to shout anymore. I'm picking up. We're picking up because it's very much a, a, a team effort. We're picking up when we feel disturbances in the force. We go, hang on. What is this? Let's sit down and talk about this. And so we have our weekly review meetings, reflection meetings to talk about how things are going. We have our weekly planning meetings to talk about how things are going to go for the next week. We have our monthly one-to-one sessions where we can sit down and make sure we're on track with each person. And we have our three monthly planning to say, okay, what are we going to do for the quarter? Um, I think something really beautiful people can take from this is that actually if you're doing one-to-ones and appraisals and things like that, it shouldn't just be about hi, how are you, anything you need to complain about, that surface level stuff. Actually, if you've done the work with your teams and actually you're aligning your values and your beliefs, these one-to-one sessions are open conversations, really opportunities to connect on... They really are, yes. And and it's both ways, right? Yeah, a a thousand percent. I think a lot of companies, um, from what I understand, will take these, take, you know, they have regular appraisal and performance meetings, okay? But they will be, how are you doing for the company? And I'm grading you, okay? But actually, it works both ways. So Jeannie and I will sit there with each of our members of our team and we'll tell them what we're doing and how we're going and where we see the company going and where we see that person's part in that. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, they're connected with the bigger vision because we didn't have that before. We learned that the hard way that Jeannie and I were running around all over the country going, oh, yeah, we're going to change the world. And those guys didn't know why. They didn't have that why. They didn't have that meaning and purpose. They didn't know what we were doing, frankly, mm-hmm. um, and what, to what end and what they're, how they're involved in that. So it goes both ways. It's how, how are you doing? What is your purpose? Where are you headed? How can we help with that? What's stopping you from getting there? And also, 
by the way, this is how you fit into the bigger picture. It's all that connection. It works every way. A thousand percent. Just to finish off, I just wanted to quickly bring up your TED Talk, which you did last week, was it? That's week right, before? yeah. And I think even the video might even be released today or tomorrow. So, oh, yeah, perfect. Really exciting. Yes. So uh, just so, congratulations. And just quickly, what did you, what did you talk about? Mm, so actually, this talk that we've just had has been kind of an in-depth version of the TED Talk, funnily <laughs> we'll post the link so you can go and watch it the ted talk yeah absolutely and and um and hopefully if anyone sees the ted talk they might come back and listen to this for more details because 15 minutes isn't uh isn't a long time time so yes i very much talked about how i lost my way and how i clawed back into the business and brought purpose and meaning with me with my newfound health and very much about how if we can bring purpose into the business, 90% of businesses who identify as purpose-driven report better financial performance, better customer engagement, better employee engagement. 66% of people at the moment who are who we call millennials, right, the 18 to 34-year-olds, they want to change jobs. 66% of people aren't happy where they are right now. And I believe it's because of what we talked about right at the start, which is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We have those base needs met. And that age group, a lot of them have their base needs met in this country. And so they're like, well, what now? I'm not interested in doing this. There's no higher self stuff. There's no self-actualization work that's going on. Absolutely. And so it's very much about finding fulfillment. And you do that, I believe, by finding a real purpose. And that purpose brings meaning. I think we live in really exciting times, actually, because I think, you know, as you've just said, we do all have our basic needs met. You know, most of us in in the working world, you know, we've got a roof over our heads, we've got food on the table. And actually, probably, you know, my grandparents' generation certainly didn't have that because they were war generation. My mum's family probably grew up with a certain amount of scarcity very different to, like you said, the millennial generation who probably were the first generation to not know those kinds of struggles where we haven't had our basic needs met. So actually, we're moving into the generations of actually, where is our higher self stuff? Where is this kind of purpose-driven stuff? Um, and I think we're, we live in such interesting times because, because they are the times that are coming through. And I think the businesses, certainly from my experience, is the businesses that are moving in into this and kind of welcoming it with open arms are the businesses that are really kind of making an impact and really making a difference and i really believe those are the businesses that are going to survive in this new yeah i absolutely Um, agree bernadette jiwa she's she's written some beautiful stuff but there's something one particular thing that she wrote that i really that really uh resonated with me she said and you've touched on it very, very beautifully just now so we had the industrial economy and that was the the age that our parents and grandparents grew up in and you had to work in a particular way you had this job for life you you know factory workers hard labor all this kind of yeah from when you were 14 to 65 which is what my granddad did he worked in brinton's carpet factory pretty much his whole life absolutely Um, and that was the norm so we had this industrial economy and then we moved into the information economy so that was the generation that you and i grew up in um, where a lot of things were computer-based, office-based. We're moving data around as opposed to moving factory parts around. Yeah. Okay? But now she wrote that we're moving into a meaning economy. 
And all the stuff we've just talked about is is the currency of that age. And I refer to it as the age of me in English because I think it sounds more poetic. Yeah. Um, and in this age of meaning, it's those people that put purpose first mm. that, that will really thrive. I think one of the things that I loved about um, when we started Dent and Daniel Priestley said that entrepreneurs can really go on and, and solve really meaningful problems. And I think that whole thing ties in with this new generation of saying, what's the purpose of this? I think we're going to start seeing huge waves in some of some of the world's you know real big problems are going to start to be solved by the entrepreneurial mind and the the project type work mindset of the millennials and the kind of next generation and the technology that comes with that and we've mentioned cal newport a couple of times so i better just close that loop for anyone yeah because <laughs> um, it's relevant it's relevant here so he's written a couple of fantastic books um but the book i'm referring to in this conversation is called so good they can't ignore you and in that book, he basically describes this path. And he talks about this idea that we say, find your passion. Okay. But the problem with that idea is that a lot of people don't know what their passion is. And so it's actually working, really sad. Really sad, right? And, Honestly, and get a coach. Everybody, every single person in the world. I think it should be, it should be mandatory. Everybody should go and have coaching, some kind of coaching, just so that they can get these basics done. I 100% agree with that. Cal Newport does offer a solution to the problem. And that is simply that he's noticed that a lot of people that do follow their passion actually aren't, aren't any happier than the ones that don't. And the ones that are in what jobs that have the potential to be really fulfilling and really satisfying and really meaningful, they don't necessarily have that as their passion. And so they're going, oh, but is this my passion? Should I be? So they're not 100% in. And so his path, and I'm, I'm going to put a book into three sentences now, but <laughs> sorry, Mr. Newport, whatever it is that you're doing, go all in, build career capital, get good at it, bring that mastery that we talked about earlier into it, deliberate practice, do the same thing over and over again until you're brilliant at it. Use that as your motivation. The mastery is, is really important. So you keep doing things it's always slightly outside of your comfort zone, always pushing to be better. And when we're slightly outside of that comfort zone, we enter um, flow, yeah, this state of presence, this state of um, mindfulness where everything just works. And when we do that, we can build up and move into a space where we're really masters of our universe in, as, as, in terms of our career. Okay. And so the way I picture it is, and he doesn't describe this, I don't know why I've got this picture, but it works for me. In our career, it's like coming to the edge of a cliff. And when you come to the edge of a cliff, all of a sudden, the sea's right down there below you, 100 foot down, and you can see for miles. Yeah. When you perform this mastery in whatever career you're in, you can all of a sudden see for miles. And you can see the elements of your industry and other industries and where they might intersect and where they might connect. And all of a sudden, you have insights into your industry that create true innovation and when you can do that all of a sudden you create something new and when you can do that all of a sudden you realize what your unique gift is that you can give to the world and there is your mission and when you connect with that mission you have your purpose and energy floods into your life energy floods into your work and you found your passion yeah and everything else follows everything else follows thank you paul it's been absolutely fabulous to talk to you it's been a real pleasure, Sonia. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you.
watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you.